Before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional owners of the land that we make this podcast. And I extend that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that are listening to this episode. Yama. G'day, I'm Raddy Walden, podcaster, writer, TV host, and you might have even heard me talk about sex before, but this, this is Talking Frank, the podcast that will cover every nook and cranny of Australia's sex life. From the head spins of modern dating, to unexpected fluids, to STI checks, we're going to get frank about it. For this episode, I wanted to dive into something that many of us do, but not many of us are comfortable talking about. Masturbation. It's not something we talk about openly, and only one in four people with vulvas masturbate regularly, which is about half the rate of people with penises. Why? Come on, let's be frank and have a chat about wanks. On this episode, I'm joined by Lucy Walk. She's the founder of sex toy company Normal and is on a mission to change the conversation on sexual well-being. She's an advocate for normalising sex toys and masturbation. So who better to chat to about having a wank? In this show, we're starting <laughs> each episode with a DM or a voice memo that people have sent in. Great, okay. Um, and I want to play it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from someone called Rosie who doesn't have the best relationship with masturbation, but I thought we could interject and sort of chat about it if something spurred a conversation between us. No, it sounds great. This is is from Rosie. Please, Rosie. Hi. Um, So masturbation, even saying it out loud, makes me just feel so awkward and uncomfortable. Um, And because I feel like this, um, I'm 25 years old and I've literally never done it, like never flick the bean, whatever you call it, do a Meg Ryan. Do you know what doing a Meg Ryan is? This is a When Harry Met Sally in the restaurant okay. reference. I think it's her, her, it's interesting because she says that she doesn't have a great relationship with masturbation, but the first thing she says is masturbation. It's like she's, you know, really ready to confront her own mm. f- guilt or anxiety around this. Yeah, and I, I think as well even, you know, being able to articulate that, you know, the set of emotions that you're starting to feel about masturbation, like it makes me feel guilt or it makes me Mm. feel anxiety or it makes me feel shame or it even brings up uncomfortable memories. All of that is a really good start. So it always, if you're hearing something like that, commend someone for at least starting to think about that. Because for a lot of people, I think it's almost a topic where your brain veers close to it and then you just run away. (laughs) Um, But I like do consider myself a sexual person. I've got a boyfriend and we have sex pretty regularly and I do think it's good sex. But um, I guess the worst part is, well, not the worst part, but I just can't do it by myself. Um, And, like, in certain moments I do consider masturbating, but then I just completely freak out. Is that common? Like, it it, it feels to me as someone that has a healthy relationship with masturbation or, you know, possibly only a relationship with masturbation. You know, depending (laughs) on the period. It's been a long (laughs) pandemic. Um, My brain is butting heads with that because it's Mm. like, masturbation is self-care and if you're only ever engaging in sex in a way that is trying to please someone else or be submissive to someone else for their pleasure which I guess sex is right you're sort of helping each other 
achieve pleasure. It's something that I've actually heard a number of times that for some people, they're more comfortable with the set of social and cultural expectations around participating in partnered sex than they are around the Mm. set of social and cultural expectations around masturbation. Like our culture kind of encourages you to think pleasure with a partner is good and worthy and masturbation, maybe for some people that's a little bit more uncomfortable. I feel just like awkward and just don't even know what to do and in my world like it's always been something that's like dirty and wrong and not something that you should do and I'm like I know what sex toys are like I've seen like I've seen tv I'm not stupid but I do feel guilty I feel like it's a guilty and something wrong like you shouldn't do it and I wouldn't even know where to start not to mention the idea of getting delivered to my share house like what if one of my housemates saw the box I mean Sex toys come in very discreet packaging. They with, do. You know, very, <laughs> very discreet bank statements these days. Mm. I feel like there is now more than ever a wide array of options to dip your toe in this masturbation game, isn't there? Absolutely. And I, I think for a lot of people, they'll think sex toys and they'll think King's Cross, like walking into a sex shop, purple fleshy dildos everywhere, lots of leather, lots of chains. And that's really not the world of sex toys anymore. There are so many brands out there now that are about making you feel empowered and also making products that like fit in with your life and your image of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Because masturbation itself isn't the only scary thing, I'm also worried about being judged by others if they knew. Something a bit deeper than even just like, I'm worried about it, you know, the neighbour finding it or my mum finding it, if it gets delivered, it sounds like um, masturbation is bringing up a lot of just inherent shame for this person Mm. um, where partnered sex isn't. And I think that's really interesting because in some ways that that can be a bit of a cultural overhang of a culture that said, you know, partnered sex, um, once upon a time we said partnered sex in the context of marriage was um, the kind of only legitimate and sort of non-shameful form of sex. It was mostly about... Sex within marriage, not solo sex. Then that sort of expanded into um, partnered sex more broadly is okay. Now that we have more contraception and more the ability to have safe sex without pregnancy, you have more control over sort of family planning. But uh, yeah, you know, for a long time, um, whether it was like actually religious or just kind of cultural sources would tell us that masturbation was sinful and a misuse of the body. And I really, even if you are not necessarily a religious person... You can't overstate how much we that there's still an overhang of those attitudes. <laughs> I, I am thankful that the days of rainbow dildos are gone. I like, mean, you, you know, know those days you used to walk into a sex store and all you could buy was this like grotesquely bright dildo. Yep, absolutely. Thank God. Um, and you know, if it floats your boat, like amazing. But um, I think for most people, like that kind of whole porny and corny era, um, we're we probably won't miss it that much, um, <laughs> but it's very, it's, that is very tackleable. Yeah, Rosie, um, you're fine. Keep listening, Oz, as well, listening. Rosie. Yeah. I probably better get into the interview. <laughs> Lucy, where do you think would be a good place to start if masturbation was something you hadn't tried before? That is a great question. And for so many people, this is a place that they're curious about and they don't know where to go. I think a really good place to start is actually learning a little bit about the pleasure anatomy of your body, whether you're a person with a penis or a person with a vulva or an intersex person. Uh, Like I think doing a little bit of research uh, using sex positive kind of evidence-based sources to figure out, okay, cool, like I've learnt how to not get pregnant or how to not get STIs, (laughs) but... 
there's a world of difference between that and sort of understanding like, okay, what is the clearest, um, for example, um, you know, understanding that the full structure is much bigger than the bean that you see on the front when people say flick the bean. It's actually like flick the kind of the two pickles. And arousal is something that you can physically see, right? Yeah. yeah. So arousal um, refers to the kind of physical signs and symptoms. Yeah. Um, so that might be genitals becoming engorged or erect. It might be lubrication. Just like a penis would. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, your pain threshold, um, sort of can go up. Uh, you might find that your nipples harden, the hair on your body starts to stand up. So all of those things that we associate with yeah. uh, sort of being turned on, uh, that's what arousal uh, refers to. Um, so actually building arousal before doing stimulation is really important. So actually it's a really interesting one where that kind of anatomy and that pleasure knowledge isn't something that we get in school. Maybe it's not something we should be teaching in school. I think there's a lot of parents who'd feel uncomfortable about that. But the problem is that it is really important. People are wanting to explore this. It's part of good sex and we're getting it from inaccurate sources. Yeah, I think there's a level of me that agrees but also disagrees because it's not like you're teaching kids how to wank and there's a demonstration, but understanding that Mm. that is how it works because I feel like we all understand the penis. Yeah. Like erection, hard, go, where like the vulva or the vagina, it's like I think a lot of people would know that an erect penis means arousal where people probably don't know what an aroused vagina looks like. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I I think the anatomy that we get in school is really very much focused on risks around pregnancy and um, yeah. and sexually transmitted infections. Labeling the parts for no reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Which it, it does mean that, you know, lots of people will hit their like 20s, 30s and 40s and not be able to tell you like what's the vulva and what's the vagina. Like they won't know how to use the proper terms for that. They won't know what the size and structure of something like the clitoris is, which yeah. is the pleasure centre for people with vulvas. Like it's the most important thing to stimulate for most people to experience an orgasm. Um, so there's just a whole sort of set of topics that we, we essentially raised from the map. We were yeah. like, these are not here or not relevant, so you're not getting them in school. And just figure it out on your own. Yeah. Um, and then porn is not very helpful. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, we'll get to that. But yes. <laughs> if you were to start having never done it before, mm. would you go with, you know, fingers and, you know, all very free things. Yeah, I think um, a really great place to start is uh, basically a practice called body mapping Uh um, where you start to almost like divide your body. um, So do a little bit of that work on on understanding pleasure anatomy, understand what the different pieces of your anatomy are um, and then spend time in a place where you feel safe and relaxed, maybe a door with a lock if you're a teenager, and spend time um, touching and stimulating in different ways, different parts of your body. And that's where the idea of mapping comes from, that you're essentially drawing a map of your body because most of us do have quite unusual, um, not unusual, quite different patterns of arousal yeah, and erogenous zones. Um, And while we're often shown kind of images of the genitals being the main erogenous zone, actually for, you know, there are, that can be so much more diverse and within the genitals as well, people can be really different in what they like. And that's another reason why I think, um, uh, it can be really helpful whenever you start moving, say from masturbation to sex with a partner, um, to make sure that you're communicating and asking them what they like. Um, because, uh, you know, the, even if you're an incredible partner um, with one person, that doesn't move. It doesn't translate. Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't move on to the the other person as well. So, so often you'll find like you're sleeping with a new person and you're sleeping with their ex's preferences. Um. (laughs) Control, alt, delete, refresh. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So definitely like spending time body mapping and realising what you like. And I feel like that can be um, a real light bulb moment for people because it's Mm. like, oh, hold on. I love when the back of my forearm is tickled. Yeah. You know, and it's like, 
not me personally, but, you know. Yeah, uh, illustratively. Yeah, to, to take self-pleasure and masturbation away from the genitals, I think mm. is a really, a really good note to... Definitely. And you may even want to kind of, um, if you're feeling uncomfortable with touching the genitals, don't start there. Mm. Um, so sort of say, all right, I'm going to spend a session where I'm not going near the genitals. I'm just going to touch other parts of my body and see what feels good. Mm -hmm. And of course, incorporating like your imagination and story and imagery. So you might want to try watching visual porn. You might want to try reading something. You might want to try fantasizing about something. Uh, yeah. yeah. So um, I think once people realize that, you know, it's not just something where you sort of sit there and like, lie still and rub, um, yeah, that you can get so much more creative. Yeah, 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 it can actually get much more fun as well. Oh, and there's this whole like, you know, some people with vulvas don't orgasm from internal penetration. Yes. So, that you know, and I think that's something that is probably really healthy to learn early. Completely. Um, and this is probably like the single biggest thing that we spend time for people with vulvas re-educating about. Um, so... Yeah, again, I'll, I'll say this over and over again. Unfortunately, like in our culture, it's the media be a we see about sex. Broken record, Lucy Walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the media we see about sex heavily favours um, penetrative sex. By penetration, I mean penetration of like a penis in a vagina. So the, the type of sex that a lot of people grow up expecting will produce pleasure for them is that. Yeah. Um, and then they often think, am I broken or is there something wrong with me when that's not the case? And so it can be really helpful to actually learn, yes, look, for people with vulvas, the stats are about 30% of people will sort of orgasm from that type of penetrative sex and that type of stimulation. That's alone. That's not a lot of people. Yeah. And the number of cishet men who have had conversations with me where I tell them this and they're like, oh, it's so interesting because they always do with me. And I'm like, sure. They, definitely <laughs> not. I like, there is a chance that you are statistically unusual. It's a Meg Ryan. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, statistically unusual. <laughs> like, it is possible that you've only ever slept with the 30%. Um, or that you're only ever meeting that 30%. Yeah, but I, I doubt it. So uh, the other fact that's really helpful to understand is that clitoral stimulation and the clitoris is kind of, if you're looking externally at like the vulva, um, so you have the kind of inner lips, outer lips, the clitoris is, it looks like a bean at the top. That's where the phrase flick the bean comes from. But the full structure actually stretches um, with a lot of sort of fleshy, highly sensitive erectile tissue um, behind that. Mm -hmm. And so it wraps around the urethra and vagina. That is the kind of most important pleasure centre for people with vulvas. So about 80% of people um, will orgasm when there's clitoral stimulation involved. And that means that if you're having penetrative sex, that's something that you can do simultaneously. It might be something that you do before, during or after. You may um, actually sort of change up your definition of what sex is because I think a lot of people think sex is a penis in a vagina yeah. um, and that ends up sort of discounting anything that um, doesn't that. involve yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so remembering that, you know, oral sex is sex, that um, sex just on the outside of the body is sex, um, that I think, you know. And I think, can I just be go, real please. frank with you? Yeah. Sometimes they're the best bits. Mm. Completely. And if that's the case for you, that's a really good insight to be like, okay, cool, like, if these are the things that I really enjoy, um, how do I bring that perspective into partnered sex? Um, is penetrative sex something that I want to be doing? Are there ways that I want to be doing it? Um, is it something that I want to do with or for a partner, but on terms that I feel really comfortable and excited by? So really thinking about that can mm. be super helpful. And what about yeah. for people with penises who are masturbating or, or mm. trying to dip into masturbation for the first time? Yeah. Because I feel like we always talk about this topic in relation to people with vulvas, but I'm sure there are people with penises out there that have the same stigma? I would say actually, yeah, like in terms of the same, adv the starter advice, understanding your own anatomy is actually really helpful. So I think um, because uh, 
both kind of physiologically on average and because of the cultural influences, um, people with penises generally have an easier time um, sort of masturbating and having an orgasm. Um, I think what it means as a culture is that we often simplify and make humorous um, sort of masturbation for people with penises. Yeah. Um, we think, okay, you can have an orgasm, therefore this conversation is over, there's nothing else to be done here. Yeah. Um, but and ejaculation doesn't equal orgasm at all. No, yeah. and I mean as well I think um, sort of saying like, Yes, you can have orgasms without ejaculation. Um, you can explore things like the prostate and prostate pleasure, um, which can be incredibly powerful. I wonder if we'll ever destigmatize the prostate. I, I actually, I've been pleasantly surprised by, I think, like that conversation because there's, there is a lot of um, internalised homophobia always in how mm. we talk about penetrative anal sex and prostate pleasure, um, I think, for people with penises as well. Um, so, you know, while that might be a much more active kind of conversation in the queer community, um, it's something that I think a lot of cis heterosexual men will uh instinctively look at and think that equates to um, either being gay or looking or feeling um, emasculated. Um, and that's something that we really do need to break down because it's an incredible source of pleasure and your bi like your biology means nothing about your sexuality. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, 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 I think you're right. If you're like, I, I, I want to try this, mm. doing it by yourself is a great way to, you know, yeah. not emasculate yourself or... Absolutely. Yeah. And and they're really like, for example, if that's something you're interested in, there are great sex toys that can let you do that. So things like a prostate massager, which can stimulate like the prostate mm. um, and the perineum, which is that strip between the anus um, and in the case of someone's penis, um, the testicles. Um, that's incredibly sensitive. Both of those areas, mm. you can use a prostate massager while sort of, for example, masturbating with your hand on a penis um, and explore whether that changes the nature of your orgasms. And most yeah. people repeat much deeper, like much longer. You can have multiple orgasms. I heard this phrase a lot, the masturbation gap. Mm. Um, and I read that one in four women masturbate, which is half the rate of men. Is that right? Wow. I, I mean, I've heard ones that are a little, a lot higher than that. Mm. Um, but I would say there is a noted like gender gap, no matter right. where the kind of line is. <laughs> yeah. it, there's a definite yeah, yeah, disproportionate number of men jerking off over women. Yeah. Not uh, jerking off over women, but jerking off. Compared to women. Yes. <laughs> Statistics, very important to get your terms. <laughs> well, Just I wanted mean, to clarify. No, absolutely. Well, for example, like if we look at Gen Z, in the w research we've done, we've sort of seen like if it's say like once per week or more um, that you have about kind of 48% of female identifying people um, masturbating and then I'm just adding numbers in my head here and about the kind of more in the like 60 to 65% for male identifying. Um, so it's quite a difference. Yeah, it's a strong difference. And that's that's the closest of all the generations. So you get into older generations and that gap gets way Wild. bigger. Yeah, right. But it's interesting that the, like, Gen Z um, as an age bracket, I sound like a boomer when I refer to mm -hmm. them as Gen Z, but <laughs> that, that, that there's still a gap. Yeah. Like considering that, like, post-millennial, you've got the internet, you've got all of these Social sexual media. positive, you know, top co content creators. Like what... What is it? Why are we not? I think, I mean, it's a great question. Um, I I honestly, like, this is a boring answer, but I think it's pop culture and social media and the roles that we give and the things that we're sort of told are normal or not normal. Mm. Um, like, while that kind of wave of empowerment and normalisation and that conversation. Yeah, 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 like, it, that's that's 
um, something that an increasing portion of like people with vulvas are exposed to. It doesn't mean that everyone is, so it's sort of working its way through. Have you seen um, those numbers increase? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's um, good. So even if you look at like, you know, Gen Z versus like a Gen X, so that would be someone who's like 40 to 55 now. Um, like for people who are Gen X, like the kind of, it's about 20%. Um, I will keep going because I... Please. I've, I've, I've <laughs> taken up so much of your time already, that's, but I feel like this could be a like 17 part podcast. Oh, yeah. Between yeah. you and I. I love stats so much. <laughs> um, I remember the first time that I masturbated and I, I can't pinpoint the age that I was, mm. but is there like, is there a, is there a normal age to start? There's no normal <laughs> actually. And I think, um, you know, it, there, there, there really isn't. Um, I'd say most people are sort of between the age of probably um, like 10 to 14. Um, you know, you start experiencing more of the signs of puberty. You start experiencing more things like arousal, um, starting to experience erections. You get pubic hair, you get crushes. You and just... I think those conversations start to happen with your friends yeah. as well. Yeah. Like... Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. sort of depending on your environment, um, you know, masturbation might start to become um, part of the picture very early on in that. But there are also people, you know, for whom you become an adult and you still um, haven't started masturbating either. So mm. I think it can be really, really variable, but certainly like in terms of almost the biology or like when, when do sexual feelings start to become a much more present part of people's lives, like early adolescence is yeah. pretty common. Do you remember how your sort of beginning of masturbation felt or what that experience um, was? Like people at school were talking about it and I mm. think I, I I think I felt pressure to explore it really quickly because I was oh. like, well, everyone else is doing it. Um, and I feel like the first time you masturbate is the, like the first time you have sex. It's never good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know the general concept because you've seen it on TV or mm. people have talked about it. Um but, yeah, I think it's all a journey, isn't it? It's like, okay, that was the first time. Yeah, I was in high school. What yeah. about you? I, I actually was trying to remember this recently mm. um, and I couldn't remember when I first did it. I, yeah, I genuinely was trying to remember. I do remember the first time I bought a sex toy being in university. So I, I think masturbation prior to that point was like no sex toys involved. Yeah. And that was like a... Um, an experience that gives me a lot of empathy for everyone who walks into a King's Cross sex shop and feels embarrassed. I was like crab sidewalked my way into this like lingerie shop, yeah. grabbed the first thing I saw. It was super overpriced. It didn't work for me. Tried <laughs> to make sure that no one saw you go in. Completely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was like a university town as well. So if you, you know, you said that you took that step to add a sex toy into your mm. masturbation routine, if you will. Yeah. How do you, how would you think people should go about that? Like, um, start with research is a great place to go. So, um, there are lots and lots of different types of toys. At first, it can feel overwhelming, but they basically break out into um, categories of like external, internal, or blended. If you're a person with a vulva, yeah. Um, so external, um, generally designed either like to be something you can use all over the body, like a kind of wand massager or a palm vibrator, which are often like quite gentle and really easy for beginners. Yeah. Um, or something like a bullet vibrator, which is really good for Detail work would be a good term for it, but maybe like clitoral stimulation or nipples or um, uh, so that's kind of like external blended would be kind of bringing in internal and external together. So the rabbit vibrator, which was like made famous by Sex in the City is like yeah. a classic example of that where you have like a sort of short a two arm. two in one. Yeah, yeah, short arm and a long arm. Um, and then there's toys that are designed for exploring um, either kind of uh, internal vaginal simulation or internal anal simulation. Uh, so having a think about 
what of those you want, what price point you're interested in, um, making sure you do your research on materials, so kind of making sure it's medical grade or body safe silicon, learning how to clean and uh, sort of uh, wash everything to make sure that you're not doing damage to yourself or a toy. It is a bit of a process, isn't it? Like when you buy a sex toy, then you've got to get the cleaner or you've got, you know, yeah. like it's a, it's a real um, investment. Yeah. Um, just back to the different types of sex toys, I think um, I'll just quickly mention that like mm. if you have a penis – uh, there's like what should we be doing? Masturbation sleeves. You mm. can use cock rings. Yeah. Uh, anal prostate massages. Yeah. Um, uh, butt plugs are really great as well if you're sort of exploring um, more anal stimulation or anal like sensation. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's tons of variety around that as well. Um, but uh, I think actually as well, just something that came into my head before. Do you mind if I say this? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I remembered it before when you were talking about. Um, shame around masturbation and, and people with penis or sort of blockers to masturbation for people with penises. Um, and one of the things when we've done lots and lots of sort of interviews with members of our community is that they'll tell us, I'm actually re- like, as a person with a penis, I'm worried about getting something like a masturbation sleeve. Um, like a classic brand for this is something like a fleshlight, yeah. um, which can be very graphic and quite confronting in its kind of Yeah. Well, they look, they look like they're built to look like, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. They're built to look like anatomy. Which can, it can be a little bit uncanny valley, yeah, because they are quite <laughs> realistic looking. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for for a lot of people that can feel quite off putting. Um, and there's also, I think, people would often tell us, actually, I feel. I often feel ashamed when I masturbate because of the cleanup. So, you know, if you have ejaculated, um, actually that kind of moment of having to clean yourself or sort of go to shower or clean a toy um, can feel like a really off-putting one. And so for a lot of people that's part of why they might not enjoy masturbation or they might not want to incorporate sex toys. And so I think thinking about like, oh, cool, if that's something that does bother you, A, is it something that you want to tackle and think about um, and spend a bit of time sort of looking at your assumptions and where that might be coming from is it something where you might want to buy a toy that is like waterproof and can be used in the shower so if you're feeling more comfortable like masturbating in that context then great or if you you know just thinking about are there ways to work on that issue but I actually hear that a lot or ways to sort of yeah mitigate those barriers for you yeah yeah Yeah. and just work through work through that in whatever form you want I've heard from friends and stuff that you know some people can feel some partners sorry can feel threatened by sex toys Mm. Um, I think it's a pretty common thing uh, more than two of my friends have said it. Um, <laughs> yeah. What would be a way to sort of – is masturbation a way that sort of you can incorporate sex toys into your partner's play? Yeah. I think um, firstly it is a really common um, concern or it's a common kind of response that comes up. And I think, you know, it can be very easy to kind of make fun of that or um, treat it as like a – you know, toxic masculinity. Right. It's a really common concern. Um, I think it can be very helpful to look at what's the underlying emotion. Why does that feel that way for someone? And I think the kind of the place that it tends to come from is, am I not enough? Right. Um, you know, if I can't be everything that you need sexually, then um, is that a reflection on me as a lover, on our, the strength of our relationship or anything yeah. like yeah. that? And so I think it can be very helpful to start with speaking, if you are looking at incorporating sex toys into partner play, speaking to what you like about your sex life and really addressing that directly and saying there's absolutely like nothing, there's nothing wrong here and I really like the way that we do have sex and I like all of these things about it. Um, I think also like doing a practice and play session whenever you are incorporating something new. So a lot of people kind of will see a sex toy on the bed and be like, oh my God, what if we use it and it's weird and awkward and then we can't unick 
Well, also good if it's weird and awkward. Yeah, great. Right? Exactly. <laughs> and that's what practice sessions are for. So being like, okay, great. We're going to over communicate. Um, we're oh, not going to have sex yes. the way that we regularly do. We're yeah. going to try a whole bunch of different stuff. Some of it will work. Some of it won't. Um, and we'll just leave it in the room if it was weird. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I think that can be a real like growth and um, a really fun experience for a lot of relationships. And it's yeah. something that like spills over into the way that you have sex the rest of the time as well. But also, it should be fun. Yeah, it yeah. should. If I could say one thing about it, it would be like uh, sex toys and all kinds of accessories, whether it's like you're like, oh, I want to use like kink stuff or I want to use lube or I want to use, you know, anything else. It's like it's a teammate. It's not your competitor. Um, and like, We're both going for the same goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're both here for the same reason. Yeah. And, you know, if it's something that really becomes an issue, great. Like have that conversation um, because it is important that you're both sort of feeling that your needs are met and that you're being respected. Yeah. But I think – as the sooner that you can like lose the lose the mentality that this is something that is about inadequacy as opposed to something that is about expanding what what's possible, um, then that like it can just get a lot easier and a lot better. Yeah. Um, can you get an STI from using a sex toy? It is important to like uh, make sure you do clean anything that you're using in in internal um, or sort of close to the genitals. Right. So if you're sharing sex toys with your partner or with multiple partners and you're not cleaning it or using multiple condoms then you are actually at risk of getting an STI if one of those partners has an STI. It's actually um, very possible to sort of pass on various infections if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Would you recommend putting a condom on the sex toy? um, Like if you're going to be using it with casual partners? I think it's a decision for you to make with your partners. But probably the safe thing to assume is like if you're using a sex toy with multiple people and if you're not cleaning it really well in between, that um, you're exposing yourself Which to Which can be a real mood breaker risk. in the time, can't it? Sorry, let me just go <laughs> run this through a dishwasher Please. cycle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Also, there there is like in literally every one of our product um, like manuals, we have a section that is like, can I put it in the dishwasher? And we're like, no, <laughs> do not put the electronics in the dishwasher. But um, definitely like if you're cleaning... Um, often it's good to do straight afterwards. Then you're not leaving anything on the kind of the silicon or the glass to fester as well. Um, so it, it'll also just keep your toy in better shape and keep it working longer sure. as well. So that's also really helpful. So I guess the takeaway, Lucy, is that it's just easier to use a condom on your sex toys and remember to change it to prevent, uh, you know, potentially contracting STI. Um, but my other question is, can masturbation or sex toys stigmatise your genitals? Oh, desensitise? Desensitise, sorry, um, yeah. They can definitely destigmatize them as well, which sorry. is great. Um, <laughs> We're destigmatizing, <laughs> but can they desensitize? You know what I mean. Yeah, um, the answer is no. Um, so, uh, and this is something that actually, again, it's one of those kind of common myths and misconceptions that we spend a bit of time addressing. If you think about it, like even if, for example, um, you held something that vibrates really, really fast against your hand for a long time and it went a bit numb, mm. it wouldn't go numb permanently. Right, okay. So like um, if that is happening and it's not something that you want, um, it may be worth kind of swatch, switching to a different toy um, if that sensation is happening, but you're at no risk of desensitising your body or sort of ruining yourself for partnered sex or sex with someone else. Yeah. Um, I have heard on the internet where I spend most of my days. <laughs> um, all creatures of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, that masturbation as a form of mood stabilisation is a bad habit to get into. Mm. 
what is a healthy relationship with masturbation? Like how many times a week or how many times a day? Yeah, okay, that's a I think that can be a complicated question. There's definitely no correct amount to masturbate. So like the right amount to masturbate is, you know, as long as it's not preventing you from eating, sleeping, engaging in your relationships in a meaningful and healthy way. Um like there's no such thing as too much. Please don't do it at work. Um and then like on the other end, you know, there's there's no correct minimum amount either. Um, so no need to kind of stress around that. Um, but if you are um, – and also, sorry, I, I'd say there can be lots of positive benefits to masturbation, um, including sort of releasing lots of feel-good chemicals, so dopamine yeah. um, and oxytocin. Like lots of people will use masturbation to um, help them go to sleep because oxytocin is what's released when you sort of have things like um, that help you go to sleep. Yeah, and, I think that's what that was the point of the yeah. TikTok that I was watching. The guy was just like that. that is a bad habit to get into if you're – you're hedging your serotonin or dopamine levels on masturbation. Mm, I, maybe that's look. I I wouldn't necessarily bad sex advice on the internet again. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say so. Like there can be there can be issues, for example, around um, you know if you're uh, finding that you're masturbating all the time to um, like porn of a particular kind, and it's affecting your ability to say engage with um, uh, your like partner. A real world um, situation. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and you know that that may be something to take a look at, or if you're finding that it feels compulsive and you're not in control of that habit, that might be something to take a look at. Again, it's it's all about you know is it coming at a cost to um, things that you care about. But I'd say actually like masturbation in the way that orgasm uh, sort of releases a set of feel good chemicals, it's the same as exercise, the same as meditation, it's the same as eating chocolate. Like it's basically using what's already built into our body to regulate the kind of patterns and the nervous system and the way that that determines our mood. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's unhealthy, actually. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't think self-pleasure is ever a bad thing. Yeah. Whether um, it's having a cup of tea or reading a book or having a wink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I reckon keep keep going. Keep any, going. Any time of the day is Any time of the day. day, yeah. Just as long as you're not hurting anyone or breaking any laws, like we're good. Bloody hell. Well, I think we've covered off almost everything Knocked we it all could off. about masturbation <laughs> and sex toys. Thank you so much for coming on Talking Frank. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that is episode one of Talking Frank. Thank you for listening and thank you to Rosie and Lucy for being a part of it. If you want any more information, you can go to frank.org.au. You can give the Family Planning Australia talk line a buzz or I've even popped a few extra bits of information in the show notes below. To be frank, though, I think you should all stop this podcast and go schedule in some me time. <laughs>